0: Hey guys, welcome back! This is the Bench Podcast. I'm your host Logan Jones. Sorry, it's been a while since our last uh, episode, but we're hoping to get back on a regular publishing schedule. I am very lucky to be joined by my good friend and today's co-host, Mister Will Almond. Will, how are you doing today? I'm doing
1: great. Doing great. Uh, you know, tuning in to the World Series, watching some great baseball, while uh, you know, let's talk about it.
0: So for, first off, give us some exposition, because I hear something going on in the background. Where are you, where are you at right now?
1: Yeah, uh, so right now I'm at the Denver airport. Uh, my flight uh, got delayed, so I have a nine-hour layover technically now. Um, so yeah, it's about, what, 10 o'clock here, and I don't leave until about 7 a.m. tomorrow morning.
0: <laughs> Were you able to watch any, any of the game or any of the football game on tonight? Because the Cowboys also had a pretty dope game tonight.
1: Yeah, so I missed most of it, so my flight landed, and it was probably the, the seventh inning, so I missed the majority of the game. I got to see the start, you know, the Duval Grand Slam in the first, um, and then uh, next thing you know, I land, and uh, the Braves blew the lead.
0: <laughs> yeah, it, one thing I could pick up on, and, and I even heard the broadcast bring this up, uh, they, they're they a lot more patient than they usually are, like Altuve, he's a he's a first ball swinger kind of guy. Yeah. And he was really patient today.
1: Yeah, no, I definitely I definitely noticed. Uh, I saw a thing, actually, that the, the infield for Houston was getting uh, about buck seventy the first four games of the World Series. Um, so then in
0: turn, to see them just smash the ball today was actually probably what everyone was looking to expect. And then Martin Maldonado's showing out tonight, too. He's he's done pretty much nothing all postseason, and he's going, What I'm not sure of his stat line, I think he's 3-for-3 three three or 2-for-3 with uh, three RBIs, and he's only had two RBIs the rest of his postseason.
1: Yeah, you know, the thing about Houston's offense is they've probably been the most consistent, explosive offense through the year, so to see them struggle this early, I knew it was just about time, you know, for them to, you know, get the bats going and
0: and what they, you know, should be doing. Yeah, um, the big thing is that I saw today was uh, uh, Bregman has been pretty quiet this whole uh, World Series since the beginning. But today they were talking about how he changed he changed up his swing, kind of shortened up his swing a little bit. In his first at-bat, he gets a uh, RBI double to uh, get the Houston on board. And after him, Maldonado gets a sack fly to bring it in within two.
1: Yeah, I think that's uh, Houston's biggest advantage is obviously the experience they have, you know, the World Series. I mean, they've been there, what, three times in the past five years? Yeah. Correct? Yeah. So, you know, those, and especially with that team and that core that's been together for quite a while, you know, they can make those adjustments mid-game, understanding that, you know, this is definitely just not an ordinary ball game. It's a different atmosphere, um, and so... You know, to have those guys and maybe him make see that see those changes being made and see the success right away and, you know, a winner go home situation.
0: Yeah, and it just goes to like you said, it just shows how much how mature they are for their age. They're they're not old guys, but they've they've been here before. They know what they're up against here. And uh, one big thing that caught my attention was they put Granky into pinch hit early in this game and he comes up with a bleed off single in the oh what is it, fourth or fifth of this game? Did yeah, you, I thought that was... You I happen to see that? that one. Yeah. You know, usually when you pitch hit, you
1: know, you think you're getting a bench bat in there, but uh, to see the pitcher get a hit was really funny.
0: Dude, I, I tweeted about that as soon as I saw it. I said, it's just, he does whatever he wants, man.
1: Yeah, well, you know, and Grinke is one of those guys, uh, you know, he's been a pretty good hitter, you know, as a pitcher. Um, and But just to see him get the call and just, you know, not look, you know... Uh, What's the word I'm looking for? Didn't look phased at all in that at bat.
0: He never looks phased. He, whatever he's doing, he doesn't. He looks like he'd rather be somewhere else. Honestly.
1: No. Yeah. No. He's definitely just got the face of just like a stone cold killer. <laughs> uh,
0: but going back to the Houston Bats, uh, one guy they need to get going is uh, Alvarez, who's who showed up in the CS against the Red Sox, but he hasn't shown much of anything here in the World Series.
1: Yeah, no, Jordan is honestly one of the better lefty bats uh, in the league. Um, and so, you know, that's a big power bat that they have in their lineup. And, you know, for him to kind of be, you know, have a slow approach to this World Series uh, could could end up, you know, being the death of Houston, you know.
0: I'm watching it right now, and it looks like they just ended it, so they are going back to Houston. They will play at least one more game. That means they got an off day tomorrow. But yeah, yeah I think so. It'll be
1: good for Houston. Uh, the only thing about Houston is I do I do think Atlanta has uh, the better pitching. I think uh, so. But not by much, very slightly.
0: They got a more I think more well stronger bullpen. Honestly, like I think once you get to the to the Houston's bullpen, if they go to them early, it's not gonna end very well. But if the, the Braves can roll with their bullpen. They, they got the more sh- stronger bullpen, if I, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, no, I would definitely agree. And uh, one of the things, um, you know, with you know playoff baseball, is completely different, especially with this atmosphere. Um, you know, you go to your bullpen early. You know, everyone's on short leash. So, you know, you're going to bullpens a lot earlier than you would because every inning, every pitch, every game, matters way more than it would, you know, than those 162 games. So let's just see if uh, Houston can uh, get some good starting pitching here and maybe try to chip away to come back.
0: Yeah, they'll have the home field advantage. Um, I think the Bra- the Braves will have a potent offense when- once they move back to Houston because that opens up that DH spot and they'll be able to fit Jock. They'll, they'll obviously have Eddie and Jock and – all those guys in, but it fills in an extra spot for them to put a power bat like uh, Soler.
1: Yeah, and you know the one thing I do say about Atlanta is they do have a lot of flashy hitters. You know, guys who may not be consistent throughout the regular season, but as you can see with like Duvall and Jock, I mean, they live for they live for October.
0: Yeah, Jock Jock seems to have quieted down a little bit, but I haven't seen him frequently enough to know what what how he's you know how he's feeling, how he looks at the plate. The one bat I did see him have today, or while I was uh, paying attention, because I was flipping back and forth between uh, this game and the Cowboy game on the other end, but uh, I saw him. He, I think he pinch hit. Maybe he didn't, but um, he he popped up foul foul ball into foul territory that he looked upset about, pretty pretty bad. So I think he was, I think he's expanding his zone a little bit more, especially in pinch hit situations.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, he, I saw he did get some new pearls. Uh, he, I think he lost or broke his other pearl necklace. So let's see if maybe these new pearls uh, will give him some luck gotta, in his uh, break upcoming games. Got
0: to break in the new pearls?
1: Yeah, I heard he uh, he flew in his jeweler, um, actually, to the to the game to uh, get his new necklace. I mean, that is quite the flex, if I must
0: say. I mean, if you're making that kind of money and... Whatever works for you, man. I mean, if pearls help you hit long bombs, go for it.
1: Yeah, and I'm, I mean, you know, playing baseball, you know, I, I'm, I'd I, say I'm a fairly superstitious player. Um, I don't know about yourself, um, what you would consider if you were superstitious or not, but, you know, especially in a game like this, I had something, you know,
0: that I need to play better. Yeah. And you know, Or that I think helped me play better, and it's gone. I think I'd do everything I could to find a way to get it. Oh yeah, superstition. Especially, like you said, especially now, it's probably bigger than any time. Oh yeah, I mean the superstitions.
1: I feel like are amplified um, in this series more than more than ever.
0: What did I see? I thought I saw something. Oh, this was back in the in game one or game the first game. It was uh, I can't remember his name, the young pitcher for Houston who has the the rocking motion in his windup.
1: Oh, um, was he the game 1?
0: Garcia, uh, I think was his name. Garcia. Yeah, that that's like becomes his synonymous that's his forte now.
1: Yeah, and especially in a, in a game like this, uh, you know, anything to upset timing. You now I did notice uh it wasn't this game, but last game I did notice a lot of Houston hitters were really late um
0: toward the end of the game. Yeah. I was seeing, you know, like
1: even players like Altuve, Correa, you know, they were they were late on fastballs that I thought were you know fairly hitable, um, and they were just really late and they struggled um, toward the end of uh, what was game four.
0: Yeah, I kind of want to go back to last night too because there was a couple questionable pitch selection, pitch calls from the the Houston bull, the Houston pitchers that uh, who was it? It was Culberson who got. <laughs> No, it wasn't Culbertson. Culbertson had the opposite field home run to tie it, but it was the guy before him, it was a Riley, who, who was getting gassed up with fastballs up and in, and he couldn't catch up to it. And then they give him a breaking ball down low, and he goes and gets it, and he drives it into left center for a base hit. So there was a couple couple questionable pitch selections there for the Houston I thought they needed to attend to. Yeah,
1: I mean, and especially toward the end, I mean, when they, when they gave up the back to back bombs. I mean, he burned Solaire um, with that slider and then he threw it again and just hung it and I mean especially when you swing and miss on you know on you know an off speed pitch, you know, you kinda of figure out what it looks like and you're like, okay, he, he might come back to that again, you know, after I got caught looking like a fool and yeah, he definitely took advantage of of that approach.
0: Oh yeah. But as we go on to uh, Game Six, is it is two days from now. Um, who who do you got win Game Six, or who you got taking the series as a whole? You know, the series as a whole, um, I'd like,
1: I'd love to see uh, the Braves win it. Um, uh, Freddie Freeman, you know, it'd be great to see him win a chip. I feel like he definitely deserves a ring under his belt. Uh, but I mean, if Houston keeps this offensive power going like they are, I mean, it is going to be it is going to be tough to squeak out another win.
0: Yeah, we'll we'll see if it carries over. I'm sure some of it will because they're going back home. But it all just depends on how comfortable they are against this uh, this Atlanta pitching because it it just seems like they've they've kind of been been dominated at some points, and if they continue to pitch the way they've been pitching to them. I don't see why not the uh, the Braves could take it in six, and then my my predictions were that was that Braves in seven. But I was taken aback by how by how well the Braves won their their two game their three games up to this point. So I, I i don't I don't see it as a surprise for them to win it in six. But my prediction was Braves in seven.
1: Braves in seven. Yeah, honestly, I was kind of hoping for a a Braves in like a five or six situation I mean that was just I I don't think that was a realistic but I just I really wanted to see you know Atlanta win this series but uh, I mean they just need to get one more win so let's see how that goes as we speak uh, the score is final Uh, it's nine to five Uh, Houston did end up uh, shutting it out
0: right is there anything else you'd like to touch on
1: well, how about the
0: Cowboys winning? Uh, Cooper Rush, uh, with, Cooper Rush coming in Cooper clutch, Rush? huh?
1: Yeah, he threw for over what, three hundred yards,
0: correct? I think he was like three twenty-five, so he was just just shy of three hundred and fifty. That's and then he watching him start out. You know, he started out shaky because it's his first career start. Uh, but as the game progressed, he seemed to just find his find his rhythm, and he was able to. Capitalize on his moments, and he got lucky at a couple times, especially late in the game. But I think he he showed he was a valid option at backup. I wouldn't start him every day, but if in a oh
1: yeah, def- definitely not when
0: you got Dak. I mean, dak oh for sure amazing. But uh, I think
1: it was it was a real shocker. Honestly, uh, I did not expect Cooper Rush to, to do as well as he did. I mean, the fact that uh, they had the offensive play calling confident enough to. Call the pa- the amount of pass plays they did, and how
0: aggressive those pass plays were was actually really impressive, uh, in the confidence they had with him. Yeah, and I think a part of that lies within um, that they the score was as close as it was, and after halftime, because I think when the game started, they were trying to do what they usually do with the backup they'll they'll let let, let the ball run, they'll put it on the ground a whole lot, let them make these easy routine plays, but then once they saw they were still in this game, it was only ten to three at halftime. That they just thought, you know, let's just take the gloves off, let them let them play. Who who cares if we throw six interceptions? It's it's still going to be one loss in the, in the record book. So Again, I th-
1: especially uh, Kellen Moore being uh, you know as aggressive and you know pass orientated um as he is, um, he definitely did not hold back in his play calling even without his star quarterback.
0: And I think I think that's the other part of the equation here too, because I think. I think there's a mutual respect there, because weren't they both backups at some point in the Cowboys organization? Yeah,
1: Kellen Moore, uh, he was from uh, Boise State, had quite the career there, um, kind of led Boise State to the powerhouse that they are now, but uh, yeah, Kellen Moore was a backup, kind of bounced around, I know he was with the Cowboys for a bit, um, but yeah, he just showed his smarts, you know, he took on the role, and uh from there he's just taken off as being one of the top offensive minded coordinators.
0: Do you think he's got a he's got a coaching spot lined up after this season?
1: Um, you know, I'm not quite sure of the status of his contract. Um, but you know, with how bad a lot of teams are actually doing to start the season right now, I mean, he's got to be getting maybe a few looks for a head coach if not at least an assistant coach.
0: I think so. I think he would he's definitely going to get invited to interview. Now, whether or not that means he's actually going to get the job or not, because I'm not entirely sure what his contract setting is either. But I know it—it it is allowed to move up. You just can't move uh, laterally. So you can't—you yes, can't, yeah. can't say so he can't leave the Cowboys for another offensive coordinator position. He can go somewhere else to be a head coach. Yes, and you know,
1: with the way the league is now, with you know their focus on you know offense and passing, I mean, he is if not one of the top candidates for. You know, for that head coaching job, um, and especially you know, teams are taking a new interest in younger coaches. Um, so I mean, there's very few guys in the league that I think have the resume and you know, the stuff that he has. So I mean, he's his name's going to be on a lot of a uh, lot of uh, interviews uh, come this off season.
0: Do you think even NFL? or Are you thinking down in college levels too? Because news came out today that TCU. Uh, fired their head coach not long ago
1: I did see that you know I don't know you know his personal details obviously um, but I do think that he'd probably want to stay in the NFL for an assisting or head coach job um, because I'm not quite sure um, um, I mean he could he'd probably run a similar to an air raid offense at the college level but I'm not sure if his offensive-minded focusness would – how that would fare at the college level.
0: Right, yeah, because it, it just seems like it's it's just different athletes you're dealing with down there.
1: Yeah, it's also a different uh, coaching mentality, um, offense, defense. I mean, the playcock's quicker a lot of times. It's a no-huddle offense um, is the most successful offense. Um, so yeah, it's definitely going from a pro style to a college offense is a, a complete difference. But you know, I mean, with how confident and how good he is in the NFL, I, I just don't see him going down to college to head coach when he could probably be a head coach or an assistant coach here in the next few years.
0: I do know there are some rumors that they're not terribly big rumors, but I did see some people say that they're just waiting for uh, Mike McCarthy's contract to, to expire or maybe him get bought out and then when it's time though Jerry Jones will just move up killing more into that to that head coaching spot.
1: Yeah, and that would be very much Jerry Jones um to buy out contracts, you know, to make aggressive moves, you know, he's not one to sit and wait and you know move pawns around the chessboard. No, he's going to he's moving that queen and looking to take some uh, big pieces off that chessboard.
0: Speaking of Jerry, how do you think he's feeling after his nice win with his backup in there?
1: Well, I mean, they had a big decision. Um, you know, this uh, preseason figuring out who their backup was going to be. I mean, they had Garrett Gilbert who looked really good in the preseason. Um, and to be fair, I thought uh, it was between him and Rush for that backup role. Um, and you know, they stuck with Rush, and you know, it just it paid dividends.
0: Yeah, uh, Garrett Gilbert didn't look as polished as he was last year. I remember he had one good game against the Steelers. They almost pulled it off and beat the undefeated Steelers at that point. But he just, I, I guess he just didn't impress as much as they wanted him to this uh, preseason. And I think Cooper kind of, he didn't win the spot. Cooper just, uh, not Cooper, Garrett, Brandon G- Garrett Gilbert did not. T- run away with the position, so it just kind of fell in Cooper's hands. And he's, as as of now, he's making the most of it. He's done what they've asked him to do, and he's won him a football game. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I saw Garrett Gilbert uh, last season, you know, play good games, you know, with the
1: situation, you know, that he was handed. But, I mean, I think they both had a fairly, you know, even preseason, you know, I think Rush maybe did a tiny bit better, but I think it came down to you know Rush knowing the offense um, a lot more because you know he's been with the Cowboys for I want to say three to four years now.
0: Yeah, it's it was four. It's been four years. He's been in a been the organization. I know he's he's left for the Giants one one year, but he came back afterwards.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I think Danucci, if I'm still correct, is still on the Cowboys practice squad. Yes. Um, so I did like that, and I know you know watching Hard Knocks that uh, McCarthy was really fond of DiNucci. He just needed to you know tighten you know some of the struggles up.
0: I think that's like his project, if you if you will. He wants he wants to develop that. I don't think they have the necessary tools to do that because he's like a he's a Brett Favre esque kind of person. Like make these wild throws. He's got that Fitz magic gene in my guess. That I think. Uh, mccarthy likes
1: yeah no i i mean he gives me a lot of like aaron Rodgers, mahomes vibes just from the standpoint of you know he's a gunslinger and he makes these you know kind of off off kiltered off balanced aggressive throws um i just think you know if he's just seeing the game a tiny bit too slow um you know not quite adapting to the speed as much as you know he'd probably like to or Everyone else would like him to be, but uh, he definitely has the confidence there every time he's on the field, which I think is really hard to find in a backup quarterback. A lot of time they're, you know, playing really scared. You know, I have to make every play right, you know, so just making plays.
0: For sure. And if that's the case, that, that would be a valuable asset for the Cowboys. And I don't know how well he's progressed this year. I haven't heard much from him since he got the if you will, demotion to the practice squad. But if they have two valuable uh, backup quarterbacks, how great would that be for them to have a trade trade candidate at the trade deadline that's coming up this week?
1: Yeah, and I mean, we've heard stories about all types of moves, and, you know, we've seen a few moves. Like uh, I think Mark Ingram going back to the Saints was a popular move that uh, everyone kind of commented on, good or bad.
0: Yeah, and then there's I know there's other people who are also on the trade block, like the Rams with uh, Darren Sproles. Is he still with the Rams? Sorry, uh, is who still with the Rams? Sorry, kind of. Was it Darren Sproles? Is he with the Rams, or I'm thinking somebody else? Um,
1: I think he's still on the Rams, if I'm not mistaken.
0: Yeah, I think he's wanting out with the Rams because he's not getting as much playing time as he would like. And then uh, who who else? There's one other guy on the block. I can't think of him. Oh, the Deshaun Watson. He's that's the big name in this year's trade deadline. Will he or won't he? I
1: you know as much as you know he still wants out. Clearly, um, I just I just don't think any team is gonna get bite the bullet for what Houston wants to get for him. Houston obviously wants multiple first round picks, you know, good players included. Um, but I mean, I don't know about you, but I'm not willing to spend that. You know, bearing that I don't know the you know results on this scandal going on behind the scenes.
0: Yeah, exactly. And, and you don't want to you don't want to give up these draft picks for a guy who's not gonna. You got him for this to make this potentially late se- late season playoff push, and then comes that comes down that he can't play because of these off the field applications he's gotten himself into.
1: Yeah, you know I you might be able to put together a clause, um, you know, barring, you know, his trial, like, hey, we agree to this trade if, if, you know, the trial goes good, you know, if it goes bad, then we get our picks back, da 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 But, I mean, without anything like that, I, I wouldn't be willing to give up more than a third-round pick for him.
0: Yeah, and I, th- I think that's what it's coming down to because he hasn't been suspended by the NFL, and there's both, both the NFL and, you know, the police police agencies are doing these investigations into these allegations and I think that's what all teams involved are waiting on are these results of these, these investigations. If they if does, if he is found guilty I think I'll, I don't know if the Texans would eat the contract and let him go but I'm pretty sure there's a clause um, in the contract because you know if I, if I remember correctly
1: with Aaron Hernandez's contract uh, it was completely voided Um, you know, once he faced, you know, time in prison, maybe,
0: maybe, maybe so,
1: but, you know, I think, I mean, I think if I remember correctly, the trial is in March, um, coming up here in a few months, but that'll obviously be after the season. Um, so, I mean, it's just kind of a waiting game on what's to happen.
0: Yeah, it's, it's all up in the air at this point but uh in fantasy news um i don't know if i'm going to be pull up, pull it off this week uh i think i'm going to come up a little bit short all because of kickers
1: oh uh, you you know speaking of another top story um you know i set my lineup and uh calvin ridley uh obviously didn't play today
0: yeah um, i saw i saw that
1: yeah with the story of, you know he's taking some time away for uh mental health you know i think this is the first instance we've seen of this in football um
0: in pro football if i'm not mistaken yeah especially during during a season like it it just doesn't you hope everything's all right but you just don't you don't see the quite the logic in it you know
1: yeah i mean we started to see you know more and more athletes are you know taking a focus on their mental health um which you know i think i love to see and everyone loves to see that you know where now everyone, you know, even though they're top athletes and, you know, they may be paid millions of dollars, you know, they still face some of the same struggles, you know, common people face as well mentally. But uh, it's the first instance I think we've seen in football. So it's really shocking, you know, kind of waiting to see how everyone reacts. You know, we've seen it in, uh, I mean, we saw it with uh, Simone Biles. Uh, I can't remember her
0: name. Uh The tennis player, I mean, she had one that
1: was,
0: uh, she did. Osaka? Oh, yes. Yeah, it's becoming a lot more, uh, not apparent, but just, it's, it's out there now. Like, it's, it's not this taboo subject. It's, it's a valid reason. Not that it wasn't before.
1: No, but before, I mean, I feel like players—you were almost forced to perform, uh, you know, in those situations. Um, versus now, you know, GMs and owners are starting to listen to the players a little more. And, you know,
0: yeah, like it's, the players
1: make some of their own decisions.
0: Yeah, it's that's the big difference, I think, because I know when me and you were growing up, you you rarely heard of a person taking a mental health break from from professional sports. You know.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna be honest. Um, I, I don't think uh, anyone. I've never. I didn't really hear of a mental health break or even you know talk about mental health until I'd say probably about like four or five years ago where uh, it really started to you know I start to actually learn and understand what it was but yeah growing up I definitely uh, mental health was hardly ever if not ever talked about
0: and it makes you wonder like if it is it coming down to the 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 bringing up of these athletes, like, are they getting burned out at these young age where they got to, they got to take these times as if, as in before it wasn't as that way, since, since it seems like today in sports society, it's, it's practice, 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 I and mean, before it was probably more practice to, to your level, you know what I mean?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it honestly comes down to, you know, everyone, you know, has, you know, struggles in their life, you know, mentally with themselves. But I think being put on that national stage, like these athletes are, you know, it's one thing, you know, if, you know, you're just like your average person, you face these struggles, you know, but imagine facing those same struggles amplified because, you know, now you're playing You're playing games in front of hundreds of thousands of people on national TV. There's cameras all around you, you know, you become the same figure. And then you gotta try to deal with those issues as well. While everyone's, you know, got a camera on you. I think it's a lot harder and you know, you can't take those mental days, I think, as much as you'd like to, you know, when you're at that professional level, even versus if you were just even a top college
0: athlete. Yeah, especially in today's age when social media is just a part of everyday life. You're all they're always exposed to that criticism even on their off days. You're gonna see they're gonna see that criticism of their performance, of just their, you know, their lifestyle. And that probably takes a toll on everything as well. That's probably, again, that would probably reason go, why it goes back to our younger days when we never heard of it because social media wasn't as big a deal or probably wasn't even around at that point.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, uh, I mean, definitely, I mean, in the most 10 years, I mean, the amount of social media platforms that we have now, I mean, I remember when I was, you know, in elementary school, middle school, and, like, Facebook was, you know, one of the only things, if not only, platform.
0: Speaking of which, you see that Facebook's changing their uh, name from Facebook to Meta now?
1: Yeah, I did see that. Uh, I'm not... I didn't quite understand the details on that. Um, I'm I'm trying to figure out if that's what they're
0: calling, like, their network-wide, like or something like that it or might be it like might be like Facebook it might be like the overall entity would be called meta but it owns Facebook and it owns WhatsApp and snapchat and all that stuff so it may Facebook may stay the same but just the overall conglomerate would be called meta probably yeah I mean
1: after I mean I think when I saw that post I mean I don't think I realized that Facebook owns a lot of social media.
0: Yeah, and it it doesn't own just social media. It owns a lot of other stuff as well, like just random startup businesses that you wouldn't even associate with social media.
1: Yeah, and you know, I think I saw something a few years ago that basically four major companies own every business we see in America. Yeah. I mean, I think Disney's one of them. I want to say... I can't remember them off the top of my head, but there's four just major companies that own just about everything that you would never suspect.
0: Yeah, Disney, I think Disney's one of them. I'm sure Facebook may not be in that top four, but I'm sure they're up there. Yeah, they're probably getting up there now. I want to say
1: it was like Coke or Nestle or something. One of those like... Food brands uh, that own basically like all the food, basically just about every food brand um, that we see.
0: Yeah, and you got you got them um, Procter and Gamble who own all like a lot of the household stuff. And Quinn and I believe I just I lost will. That's... I got a connection failure on that. That will probably give us a good stopping point for our episode here. Um, thanks you guys for tuning in, and like I said, we'll be happy to get you guys more produced episodes in the future we'll get right on that so we're probably going to get on a more regular posting schedule thanks guys for listening to the bench and have a nice night